You're listening to Review and Preview on Facebook Live. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Review and Preview. I'm Tom Scavetta in the maroon over here, joined alongside my two wonderful co-hosts, Kyle Russo, James Montefusco, looking fresh, coming uh, from work. Mm-hmm. Kyle coming from his internship, three busy young adults right here. Gentlemen, good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Um, how you doing, man? You know, it's just another day. Uh Another dollar? Oh, uh, man, I got this mug out trying to keep me awake throughout the course of our uh, two-hour marathon here tonight. But, hey, make sure to follow us on all social media platforms below on our ticker, Instagram, Twitter, like our Facebook page, and subscribe to our YouTube channel at Review and Preview Sports. And speaking of Review and Preview Sports, merch is starting to come in, ladies and gentlemen. So if you ordered some merch, uh, it's on its way and if you haven't gotten it already it'll be there soon and also we might have some free giveaways coming up may have ordered some extra stuff so i'm really really looking forward to that and we have a great guest joining us at 7 15 p.m you've seen him once before he's from jacksonville florida jaguar super fan and co-host of the rough cut sports cast Vinny milani joins the show at 7 15 p.m i believe he just did a charity show at Dick's Wings in Jacksonville a few weeks ago. So um, shout out to him and his crew. Make sure to go check them out. But first topic of the evening, you know, I mean, look, we're Giants fans and we're happy Giants fans this week. Um, Even the pessimists here (laughs) on on this team, I think, can be happy about this win. Uh, A lot more positive to take from this than negative, in my opinion. The Giants beat a um, not an ailing Raiders team, but uh, a very a team that was in full disarray this week, um, guys. And I just want to say one thing: Hank and Dicter was at this game. X is gonna give it to you, Xavier McKinney, with the two picks and one for a touchdown. His impact on this defense in year number two, Kyle has been absolutely outstanding. This was arguably a first-round talent who fell in our laps in the second round last year because of how lowly safeties were valued in last year's draft or how high-valued offensive linemen were. Yeah, no, Tom, you're absolutely right. And the defense as a whole played like a a solid unit probably for the first time since last year. They've kind of gotten back to that stance, at least for this game in in week, uh, what is it, week nine now against the Mm -hmm. Raiders or week – eight now against the Raiders, kind of where they left off last season. 
just like last season, it took them halfway through the season to, <laughs> to figure out the defense. And it, it's done the same thing this year as well. But a tremendous game by this defense, no doubt about it. James, what were your overall thoughts on this game? I know you were working hard on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, what went through your head when you read the scoreboard final Giants 23-16 to after all three of us picked the Raiders on Tuesday night show, even though I eventually changed my pick on Thursday's show when I found out that Tony and Galladay were both likely going to play? Yeah, I was actually able to catch the, f- the first very early part of the first quarter um, before I went off to work. They look good from what I saw in the beginning. The going back and forth, um, this defense has really stepped up from playing how well they did against Kansas City to now the Raiders. Um, this bye week is only going to benefit them in many ways, not only just the rest, but also to figure more things out for this offense, for this defense. But I'm glad we won. Um, I didn't know we won until uh, later on I got to work and um, – one of the production people backstage was like, James, you see the Giants win? I'm like, no, they won. They're like, yeah. They're like, aren't you happy? I'm like, I'm pumped, but I wish I watched them win for once. I've been watching them lose. Um, so it's it's a great win they had, I'm, especially going into the bye week, knowing they won off of de- a depressing loss against the Chiefs, winning at home against the Raiders, going into the bye week. It's only going to boost their morale coming off of this bye week. I agree, and I like the way the defense has played. Obviously, they lost Jabril Peppers and Blake Martinez both for the season, but Dexter Lawrence had one heck of a game. Mm-hmm. Leonard Williams has been coming on as of these last few weeks. He's been outstanding. And Adoree Jackson, in my honest opinion, that may have been the best signing the Giants made this offseason up to this point. Um, Kyle pointed this out last offseason. The Giants really needed a quarterback, too. Um, and we finally got one. I mean, Adoree Jackson is probably a CB1 on most NFL rosters. We're very fortunate to have this player, and this was the one player that I was most concerned about getting hurt, and you know what? He's been one of the few guys who's been fully healthy and fully available throughout this first half of the season. Make sure you knock on the table, Tom. After yeah, that don't jinx the time. There we go. Yeah, there you go. No, no season-ending injuries this week, but no. <laughs> hopefully not. Hopefully not. Right? Can't get can't lose on the bye week, right? But uh, unless you're the Lions, unless you're the Lions. But Oof. no, the, the Giants as a whole, their defense looked tremendous. But I will say this, and this is not me being pessimistic. This is me just being dead honest. They were going into this game playing a Raiders defense that had given up the second most passing yards per game this season and 330 passing yards. And it's very concerning that the Giants couldn't get anything going offensively in the past game throughout four quarters of football. Again, that's mm-hmm. not me being a hater upon Daniel Jones or the offense. That's just the reality. The fact that 110 passing yards in four quarters of football against a defense that is the second worst in the past game throughout the first nine weeks uh, or first eight weeks of the season. That has to be semi-concerning. Am I, am I wrong? It is semi-concerning. I'm throwing the blame a little elsewhere than Daniel Jones. Uh, I do think, obviously, the fumble was his fault. He did not see the pressure coming, although I will admit Matt Pert is not a starting left tackle in the National Football League. I I, I will say that. He's a right tackle at best. Mm -hmm. Um, Look, I partially blame it on the play calling, too. I mean, they only took one shot. Um. What was it? 30 plus yards down the field. And they completed the pass. 
Uh, yeah, it's Evan Ingram on the touchdown. Uh, Evan Ingram, and then they threw up a – I forget, it was John Ross or something made a play, and then there was a holding penalty or there was a pass interference. I, I, I don't remember. But, um, yeah, remember, too, this was also a game where the game plan was to run the football because of how good the, the Raiders' pass rush was. Yannick Ngakwe had two sacks. Max Crosby was all over the place. And early on, guys like Solomon Thomas and Jonathan Hankins, former Giant, were stuffing mm-hmm. the, the run. And the Giants, I knew Devontae Booker was going to be a big part of this game plan because he was the previous week. And the Giants' O-line, with how demoralized it is up front, it's a lot better in run protection than pass protection. Uh, they've Will Hernandez has been solid. And I think Matt Skura who was in COVID protocol most of the week, had another solid game. That's a very uh, under-the-radar position battle nobody's talked about this year, the left guard position, right? Shane Lemieux went down with an injury. It was supposed to be Ben Bredesen. Well, Ben Bredesen is healthy now, and he's not starting. It's Matt Skura. So I think that's very impressive that he's been able to hold his own. Um Devontae Booker got the game ball, had a great game, 99 rushing yards. Um, Obviously, Jones did not have any incompletions in the first half, although they did not throw the football very much to Kyle's point. And, you know, two more players I wanted to point out on the Giants side of things. You know, we could talk about how much of a losing strategy uh, the offense had on Sunday. They still won this football game, and it's because of young studs, not just like McKinney or Jackson, but – Tay Crowder has really emerged into a leader on this defense. Mm-hmm. This guy was Mr. Irrelevant just a year ago. I'm talking about him. And I'm talking about Quincy Roche, a guy who should have never been cut from the Pittsburgh Steelers roster on cut nope. downs. Roche showed flashes in the preseason, and the Giants got a sixth-round pick on their roster. And I, I hate to say this because Ellerson Smith hasn't played yet, Quincy Roche is currently the second best pass rusher on this team. That's kind of sad. Yeah. Yeah. They're both rookies. And they should both be starting next week. Mm -hmm. Get rid of Carter. Get rid of Zimenez. Roche and Ojolari are the guys. And Ellerson Smith could be a nice rotational piece. That would be nice. It'll be nice to see what they they facilitate coming out of the bye week, like James alluding to uh, has alluded to. Because again, we don't know what this game plan is going to be. They're going to need all the rest in the world. Because I mean, as far as I'm concerned, this is going to be their toughest matchup all year. Uh, you know, these are Super Bowl champions. This is Tom Brady. This is an <laughs> offense that's a juggernaut, a, a run defense that is amazing. So it's going to force the Giants to pass the ball because the while the Tampa Bay Buccaneers passing defense has been really bad this year, the Giants passing game hasn't been that great this year. So this is going to have to play a huge role in this upcoming game or next week. So when it comes to the defense holding down the fourth of the way that they did, it goes back to, like I said earlier, last season. That's how they were winning a majority of their games. They were mm-hmm. holding teams defensively in and out of games. That was the reason why they were winning. Because, again, you go back to this offense, this offense scored 16 points, guys. That's not good. That's not good. It's not, but, man, this defense is getting back to its form. I got to tell you, I hate Danny Shelton. Uh, I hate Lorenzo Carter. I hate O'Shane Zimenez. 
I think they're probably the three worst players on this defense at this point that are regular players, starting mm-hmm. players. And Sam Beal just got waived today. Another fun fact. Well, maybe maybe not so fun if you were highly invested in Sam Beal. I never was. Um, the Raiders supplemental pick that was wasted. Yep, and that's what we gave up in 2019, uh, that third-round pick, uh, which we eventually got back via trades and whatnot. But um, the Raiders were one for six in the red zone. They were one for six. They accumulated <laughs> over 400 total yards of offense, but they couldn't put the nail in the coffin. They couldn't punch the ball in the end zone, and that shows the resiliency. The Giants' defense is back. It's back. It took a few weeks to get it together. And I don't know if it was me or Kyle or somebody was talking about this. I think it might have been me. The defense is going to get it together, right? We knew this porous defensive play wasn't going to last. It's been the adjustment to the press man scheme. It's been getting continuity with a lot of these new players starting on this defense, losing Dalvin Tomlinson, losing your leader, Blake Martinez, in the middle to a season-ending injury. And they held Derek Carr in a Raiders offense. Granted, the Henry Ruggs situation, we knew Renfro was going to get his catches. Jacobs um, ran all over us for a little bit. Congrats, Kyle. Um, <laughs> and Waller, too. Don't sweet. forget about Waller. Oh, and fuck Chase Edmonds, by the way. Whoa. Kadarius Tony. Um, and and Josh, no. Uh, yeah, and Josh Allen. Um, <laughs> sorry. I had a good week, James. Yeah. Had a good week. Ah, very good. Well, actually, Friday, but yeah. Well, all right. Um, <laughs> Tom, you could use some improvement on your fantasy team. Losing to Kyle. I mean, you should beat Kyle, to be honest. All right. Um, I won in our. I won in our other other league against Rich. So there, that's ah, three. That's go. three in a row for me in there that. There we league. go, Tom. I like and it coming back up. We have the most money on the line in that league. So I, I'm really happy about that. And I'm coming for you, man. I'm coming right. for you. Listen, I only sit I sit in six. So, yeah, you know, the way this team plays, go, you, you might be able to take it. <laughs> oh, what man. are we even talking about here? Any, <laughs> anyway, one last point I want to bring up on, on this Giants game. Zero second half penalties. You want to talk about good discipline? Let's give Joe Judge a little bit of credit. He coached a damn good game. Um, Kyle, what were your thoughts on Joe Judge uh, coaching in this game? I saw a really well-coached game. He needed it, right? Yeah. He needed it. How many games have the Giants lost this season because of not being disciplined? Too many. Not being able to close out. I mean, this is a team that should be, if we're going based just on that, forget about the poorest play as a whole. This is a team that's over 500 if it's just for being a disciplined football team. So he needed this into a game that obviously was we won. Uh, the Giants won. It was a winnable football game, and they managed to do so. They managed to make Derek Carr force him to make turnovers, which he hadn't done a lot this season. Uh, with the exception of this game, he only had five interceptions all year round. So a guy that really doesn't toss the ball over too much was one of the top five passers in all of football. Granted, they did give, did give up a lot of passing yards. Again, Tom, the key was, like you alluded to, is they were able to close out this offense when it came to the red zone. Uh, overthrows to Darren Waller, uh, a catch Darren Waller couldn't make, um, uh, a fourth and out, and then Daniel Carlson misses a field goal. The defense held strong. They held strong, and I'm very pleased to see that part of the team has come together. 
again, it just comes down to the, the offense has to get there too. Because as we saw last year, the defense can only, the defense can only hold you in so many games. There has to be some production middle ground where it's a 50-50 split between the defense holding up their end and the offense holding up their end as well. Before we bring up our guest here in just a moment, I just want to say one last thing on the Giants. On a bye this week, and as frustrating as they've been to watch this year, they're three and six. I'm going to miss watching them play this week. I'm going to be honest. And when they come back after the bye, they have Tampa Bay, Mm -hmm. they have Philadelphia, and then they have Miami. If the Giants somehow, some way, pull off three consecutive wins after the bye, I will admit they're back in the playoff mix. Wait, they got Tampa, Tampa, Tampa Bay, the Bay Philly, and Miami. That would put them at six and six. What I think is going to happen is they're going to win two out of the three, be at five and seven. So good. It's not bad, but it's I not mean, bad. But it makes what it Dallas makes you has wonder, to lose, right? Well, not not even that. I'm just looking at who's in front of us. Carolina and the Saints, who are the six and seven seeds, are two of our three wins. And if you look at Carolina breaking news, uh, Sam Darnold is going to miss the next uh, next several weeks. He just had a fractured scapula, I think it said, as the report. So he's going to miss some time. Who's that? Who's that put in line? PJ Walker now. PJ Walker, unless they sign somebody, which uh, that puts the Vikings back in the mix. But anyway, transitioning from the NFC to the AFC, we're going to bring up from the Rough Cut Sportscast Jaguar Superfan Vinny Milani. Vinny. Welcome to the show. James will minimize that now. How's it going, my friend? Long time no talk. What's up, guys? It's good to be back on. I appreciate the invite. Of course. Of course. Um, first off, congratulations on an outstanding win this week. Oh, maybe not so outstanding, but it reminded me of that playoff game you had against them like three years ago. That was just super-duper low scoring. Vinny, my – okay, so – my fraternity big, who actually um, just recently graduated from Full Sail, like you, um, is a Bills fan and was at this game in Jacksonville. And I'm like, God damn it, Albert, you freaking jinxed this football team. What's going through your mind when Jacksonville pulls this off? I'm like, is this really happening? Is that, that's basically what it was like. It was I was I was just waiting for like the shoe to drop, basically of like when Buffalo was just going to turn it up because we saw last week with Buffalo they played the Dolphins and kind of was off to a slow start. Then they picked it up and got the job done. I was kind of waiting for that moment. I went to the I, I didn't go to the Bills game, but I went to the game when the Jags played the Cardinals here in Jacksonville, and the Jags had that massive kick return at the end of the first half and had the lead going in, and I was like, okay, all right, I, I got hope here. I got hope. And then was brought down really quickly when the Cardinals turned it up. And I was like, okay, I don't want to have too much hope that the Jags are going to be able to beat the Bills. And then it happened, and I was was pretty stoked. I was pretty excited. Yeah, man. Uh, look, I, I've, I've been I've been pulling for Jacksonville all season long as an honorary Floridian. Um, look, it's been it's been a rough going, but um, Josh Allen. To, to Josh Allen, I mean, <laughs> history that making. That, that, I mean, guys, the NFL was drunk this week. I don't know what happened, but I don't know what people were drinking out there. But uh, this is why we play the games, right? This is why we play the games every week, because you never know who could come out on top. We look at Tennessee, the best team record-wise 
uh, in the AFC seven and two lost to the Jets. Yeah. 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 Crazy to think about, right? Um, Oh yeah. But yeah, I mean, Josh Allen, the Bills, Josh Allen looked awful in this. He looked like the, uh, the rookie Josh Allen out there. That's what, that's what he looked like out there. But, uh, Vinny, good having you back on, man. It's been a while. But back to this Jacksonville team, right? So Trevor Lawrence goes down. You're missing James Robinson. The cards are so far out of your favor. And you hold this juggernaut of an offense. Because it seems like weekly now when you go to the AFC, the the teams in which are now the favorites to win the Super Bowl are no longer, right? It becomes – it's the Bengals one week. It's Baltimore one week. It's Buffalo this last week. And now it's Tennessee back again after – now they're Super Bowl favorites after putting a loss underneath the, the Jets underneath their belts. But yeah. talk about this Jacksonville win. How do, you, how do they get it done? How do they get it done? I, it was really all, all the defense, especially well, the offense obviously not scoring, a, not getting any touchdowns or anything like that. And The defense really showed out. And it was, it was really the fact that the Bills offensive line is as banged up as it is and as weak as it is. Uh, the Jaguars were able to take advantage of that, obviously, with the Josh Allen sack and then the forced fumbles and things like that. But it was, it was really all on the defense, which as a Jags fan, it's, it's exciting that we got the win, but uh, – the defense has never been like that big of a concern for, for Jacksonville. Like it's been bad this, this season it has not been that good, but the, the concern has really just always been on the offense. And when, when Trevor Lawrence and when Urban Meyer are going to have this offense figured out, and I still don't think we have answers to that, obviously with only scoring nine points, obviously against the Bills defense, it's really good and no James Robinson, but I would still like to see a little bit more from the offense, but really the defense is what got the job done. Yeah, I mean, you talked about Josh Allen had an outstanding game. He had those uh, – he had a sack, had an inter- interception, quarterback hit, eight tackles, pass defended, two tackles for loss. He was great. The Bills' Josh Allen, two interceptions, lost fumble, sacked four times. He didn't have his partner in crime, Dawson Knox, which was a huge loss. And then Cole Beasley was questionable heading into the game, but – you stop Stefan Diggs, he was not a factor. I know that pissed Kyle off a whole lot. Um, <laughs> I'll take man. my 14 and a half points in the win, Tom. I'll take it. <laughs> but, man, I'm proud of this Jacksonville team. I'm proud of Urban Meyer. I mean, we know they, they've gone through a lot of turmoil these last few weeks. Urban Meyer, there's been a lot of inappropriate stuff going around, a lot of heat down there. You know, uh, I get it. it, it it's, it's, it's the South, and sometimes – you know, these Urban Meyer being – actually, that happened in Ohio. What am I even talking about? Um, he did have that incident, though, after the loss against – I can't remember who the loss was. I think it was actually against Tennessee. No, it was against Cincinnati on Thursday night football. It was Cincinnati. In the incident. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just – I don't know what to make of this team. I mean, he traded for Dan Arnold. LaVishka Chenault has been very quiet this year. He was supposed to potentially be a sleeper. And then we're sitting here, and then where do you stand with Urban Meyer? Because at this point, everyone's like, we want him gone. But now it's like, I feel like he's being reeled back in here. I feel like the team is starting to maybe regain his trust a little bit, especially if you beat a team like the Buffalo Bills. It seems like, to me at least, he's starting to take this job a lot more seriously. 
Yeah, it's it's one of those things. I've been I have been uh, not a big fan of Urban Meyer since the beginning. I think I, I when I came on this show last, I did discuss the fact that my praise for Urban Meyer was not very high, and it's slowly getting there. It's it's slowly getting better. I mean, he's doing what he needs to do. He's getting some wins, um, but at, at this point, you have such a young team with all this young talent around, including Trevor Lawrence. I think there is going to be these growing pains, and as as Jaguar fans and, and as Jaguar fans we're so used to the struggles so it's like when we, when we start seeing it again we're like oh no here we go again but really it's just you have to take it as okay this is a new year this is a rookie coach rookie quarterback there's going to be those growing pains you have to take it as it is and kind of forget everything that's happened in the past very difficult to do when the past has been as well rough as it's been. Um, but this team is going, is going through those growing pains and obviously getting these wins means such a big deal, especially for urban Meyer, who I've saw, I've seen rumors that he's, that they were thinking about firing. That's not that, that would never ever, that wouldn't happen anytime soon. He's going to be here for at least three or four years. Um, but you just kind of have to, the old cliche, you just have to trust the process with urban Meyer. What do you think, James? Yeah. I'm buying this. Against the Bills, I mean, when I saw the score when I got home late, I was like, that was really the score. Um, I was like, was everybody okay down in Florida for a second? I was a little concerned. Um, I think it's going to give Urban Meyer time to do a transition from college football life to the NFL because as we see with players, it's a complete 180-360 to what they're used to in college ball, destroying teams to then getting on the football field and either getting trucked by these guys two times bigger the size or like Trevor Lawrence never pretty much lost in his career and now he's losing you know it's it's a transition period I think this win over the Bills even though it wasn't a very big scoring game has only helped the Jaguars fans and Urban Meyer to get kind of more feet under him, more of a ground under them to build off of this one. Look what we did against the Bills. Yes, they were missing a few key players, but if we just trust his system a little bit, it will help us. Maybe not this year. We may see more of the results come later this season or very early next year where it's like, this is where the team's going. Trevor Lawrence is another year in. Urban Meyer is another year in. They will be a team eventually to be reckoned with. Yeah, I'm, I'm hope I'm definitely hoping that for sure. And I, I you you are you're 100 percent right with these. The like, Urban Meyer's never lost really, and Trevor Lawrence never lost. And this is good for the this this is as much as losing does suck. And I don't like participation awards. Losing here it has its benefits for such a t- for for guys like Trevor Lawrence and Urban Meyer who are not used to this adversity. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, Vinny, we've had a surprise for a few minutes now, but James Robinson comments, <laughs> I think it's safe to say who is the better Josh Allen. <laughs> 100%. Hey, James Robinson, just let, just let us let, – let, let, let me know here because I, I have you on my fantasy team. I would like to know if you're playing or not this week. Let's just kind of <laughs> throw that in there as well if you want. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I have him as well in one of my leagues. So I'm really hoping he plays, which kind of transitions into this next comment here from Daniel. Travis Etienne gets integrated into the offense. You sure miss him too. 
Yeah, it's it, that's one of Urban Meyer's guys, and we see it like it, what we're seeing from Jamal Agnew right now is exactly what the Jaguars wanted to use Travis Etienne for. Maybe a little bit less on the uh, kick return name or on the kick return um, and the special team side of things, but as that kind of uh, that multi-use weapon in the offense that can carry the ball and then catch big passes and things like that. Basically, everything you're seeing from Jamal Agnew just rev it up like. 10 decibels basically because that's what Travis Etienne is going to be able to bring to this team next year. Hopefully. Now I want to ask you this and by no means am I trying to map Jacksonville out as this all of a sudden great football team because they're not right. We're going to be realistic and say they're not a good football team right now, but is Saxonville potentially on its way back? Is, is it too soon to make that judgment? It, is Josh Allen a guy who can kind of spin this back in that direction? I I don't I, I don't want to say that they're back um, just yet. I don't know if I feel comfortable about that yet because this defense really up until this this game wasn't that good. It hasn't been that good, um, but obviously this game is a really good, hopefully maybe a turning point to get back to that. Um, but I remember when I was on this show last time, I brought up the fact that the Jaguars switched to that three, four defense under Joe Cullen. It is showing it is it, the improvements are showing week after week. And you saw Josh Allen obviously had that interception. Josh Allen played as like a cover of a cover linebacker in college in Kentucky. And now he's is balancing both the pass rush and dropping back in coverage for Jacksonville. And it's just, you see the comfort level for him um, game after game. So like the Josh Allen development has been huge and could lead to Saxonville coming back. But there's a lot of pieces on this, on this defense that has to get going a little bit more consistently. I mean, we saw Taven Bryan, who is widely known in Jacksonville as a massive bust. He got a sack in that game, which (laughs) blew everybody's mind. Um, But if we start seeing that type of consistent play, then we will, we can maybe start considering Saxonville being back. I know Jags fans would love that. I know people in Jacksonville would love to, to be able to call ourselves Saxonville again. Didn't Bryan have two? I thought he had two. Uh, I thought he had two sacks in that game. Let me, um, I'd be even I'd be even more mind blown if he had two. I remember seeing the one and I was like, is this Yeah, he had two. Oh look at that. Unreal. What a guy. Yeah. Um, And Rudy Ford too. Just like talk about him. He he was impressive in this game. Three passes defended, one pick. Um, another guy not really talked about that much. Uh, you know, I I really like the the youth movement here with this defense. It's probably gonna take a couple of years, but I mean Things could be headed in the right direction if these players continue to play like this because I'm looking at your schedule the next three weeks. It's not impossible. I mean, it's not easy, but at the Colts, hosting the 49ers, and then the Falcons. So you get back-to-back home games against two teams that could potentially be competitive football games. You know, I mean, you just beat the Bills, so anything is really possible at this point with this team. Yeah, after after this wild week nine, I think anything is possible just for about any team in this NFL if they're just the insanity that we saw. But I mean, the the AFC South, they had to go up against the uh, they have to go up against the NFC West. So mm-hmm. most of the Jaguars obviously started this season off against Arizona. They played Tennessee. They've played uh, they played Denver. They 
they played Seattle. They've gotten most of these hard games out of the way. So hopefully they can really turn it up at the second half of the season. Traveling to Los Angeles, though, kind of scares me because I don't think I don't think that'll be fun. It'll be just like what we saw with Seattle. But uh, there is there is hope. There is hope. And even through losses, we're just the Jaguars are still show are, are showing heart and, 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 and unknown players are stepping up. Yeah, and look at this. Even Denver locked uh, Dallas down. That's that's another big yeah. upset this past year. Um, yeah, one more Vinny, you talked about you talked oh, about ahead, this defense stepping up. You talked about this defense stepping up, and obviously the I don't want to say the elephant in the room, but the guy that people are really waiting to bust out is is Trevor Lawrence. And obviously the team that they've put in front of him, especially the offense, because obviously he plays on the offensive side of the ball. Is not so good right now. I don't think anybody's saying what they've given him is a is a winnable or positive situation. And then losing DJ Chark for the entirety of the season uh, season doesn't make it better. Losing Travis Etienne, which again, first round pick, quarterback, running back connection in Clemson. Even though he still has James Robinson, that would have been nice to see as well. But what have you seen so far from Trevor Lawrence this year in terms of positives? Because he has not looked great. Below sixty percent completion percentage. Uh, eight to nine ratio in terms of touchdown interception ratio. Not that many passing yards to go along with it, but what have you seen through nine weeks of football so far? Uh, similar to what I was saying before, that slow, slow improvement game by game. We saw in the beginning of the season through weeks like one through three, you saw him really take too long with the ball and getting rid of it and taking unnecessary sacks, throwing just weird passes to to nobody or just weird passes to to the other team very similar to what Blake Bortles used to give this team and it was it was bringing back bad flashbacks for all Jags fans but we've slowly seen him improve and again this is this is a rookie here so we have to have that patience even if he is the number one prospect coming out of this draft even if he is supposed to be the second coming of Andrew Luck or Peyton Manning or whichever comparison you want to give he still has to to go through those growing pains and like we mentioned before with the with the losing it's this is all new to him so and struggling is all new to him so i think there's there's those improvements to his game he's he's a little bit more patient with the ball he's a little bit more smart with the ball not taking unnecessary sacks and throwing unnecessary interceptions but i think there's i think we need to up the pressure on on Daryl Bevel and Urban Meyer and this, the calling of this offense because uh, i mean you talked about it before Laviska Chenault has been irrelevant on this on this team and he's supposed to be a guy that you could almost use him in that Travis Etienne what you wanted to use Travis Etienne for but you haven't and it's just mind-blowing to see that he's getting one two targets a game and not even rushing that much it's it's just it's it is mind-blowing so I I think the concern needs to be put on Daryl Bevel and Urban Meyer and the way this offense has been running and again maybe it's Urban Meyer going through trying to figure out what works in the NFL and maybe we have to be patient on that too but that's where the pressure has to be on this Jacksonville Jaguars team we have a couple comments here as well and I do agree with everything you just said Vinny uh they need to invest in O-line mm-hmm. correct they, they got to figure out. They got to figure out their O line. With, with I believe it was who it was a Walker Little stepped on Trevor Lawrence's ankle. That's how he ended up hurting his ankle. It wasn't even like a a, a weird uh, like a, a sack or anything like that. It was Walker Little stepping on Trevor Lawrence's <laughs> ankle. So that was that was that. That was great. Um, but they they definitely do have to figure out their offensive line. Whether Cam Robinson comes back or whether you're going to throw Jawan Taylor on the left side. It's there's a lot of question marks on the offensive line. Well, whatever happened to Ben Barch? I mean, this guy was like such like he he was hyped up out of St. John's, Minnesota, whatever school he went to. I think that was the name of it. 
what happened to him? Where is he? More of a more of a sideshow attraction than actually being good on the field is from what I've seen and, and, and heard. And more of just that like just a, a fun player to talk about, but not really doing anything on 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 the field. I mean, look at this offensive line now. Andrew Norwell got Juwan Taylor. Uh Brandon Linder's out. Um, so that that also hurts a lot. But um it's just it, it's just the Jaguars notably have not had an offensive line for quite some time. And it's just, I'm hoping that the Jaguars still do finish a little low in the standing so they can get a higher pick and invest in an offensive line. We definitely don't want to be like what the Bengals have with Joe Burrow, where they needed an offensive lineman and then didn't get an offensive lineman. And that's just a mess. I think Evan Neal could fix a lot of problems for you. Uh, just saying. And, uh, one more question here from Daniel on Jacksonville, and then we'll move on to a couple of the other Week 9 games. Uh, LaVishka Chennault, is he going to be a breakout guy moving forward? I would say no. Not this season, as much as we hoped and, and wanted it to be. And again, dated, not to continue going back to my first appearance on the show, was talking about how Marvin Jones is probably going to be the leading wide receiver on this offense. Well, DJ Chark getting hurt helps that, but I still think it's Jones, Chenault, and maybe Jones, and then Chenault and Agnew, and then you can throw Tavon Austin group in that. And and hey, our savior might be coming though. They just signed John Brown to the practice squad, so who knows? Maybe that'll help us out, but highly doubtful. Um, but I would say, yeah, pump the brakes on on a breakout season for Lavisca Chenault this year. Hopefully, next year they get him involved more. They could use him in so many scheme plays too, because we saw in year one he was able to. Yeah. Uh, I think he was able to even play a little bit, throw the ball himself, run some plays himself. Uh, great was, hands, very fast. He was everywhere, and you and you would think that Urban Meyer would be able to like utilize that coming from a college system where like mm-hmm. all the trick plays and all the, yeah. the dipsy doos are there, and now it's just like oh. He'll, I don't know. Maybe he's overthinking it. I don't. I. I would I mean, love to see Levis in the beginning off. of the season, right? That was the question with James Robinson too. It took how many weeks for him to get that, uh, James Robinson involved in the offense? That's the positive. That's the positive there. And sk- sorry for my dog barking here, um, but there. That's the positive with the fact that James Robinson started off slow, and Urban Meyer was able to catch that and say, "Okay, let's start giving him the ball more and not Carlos Hyde," and then. Maybe that's what he'll see from LaVisca Chanel and be like, okay, now we'll use Chanel. Mm-hmm. And James says, if only Lawrence had the team Bortles had. Hey, Bortles just got signed this past week. He's on, yeah, he's on the practice squad with Green Bay now. Yeah, I would, I would enjoy a, a Lawrence Allen Robinson uh, connection and maybe throw in Allen Hearns. Well, no, Allen Hearns is still not a thing, but uh, let's bring back Allen Robinson. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I think he, yeah, I wish he would have stayed in Jacksonville for sure. Not a big fan of him in Chicago right now. He's not going to last. Plus, be nice if the Bears got a really uh, high draft pick this year because we own it. Uh, but uh, moving on to some of the NFL games, and I guess, Vinny, we'll, we'll start with you here. Baltimore, Minnesota. Uh, Justin Tucker nails the game-winning field goal. The Ravens have now won 12 straight games against NFC opponents despite trailing 17 to 10 in the half, a game where Lamar Jackson kind of struggled. Two interceptions, but Rashad Bateman's back. They somehow managed to get all these old running backs, a bunch of touches, and they just seem to be the same old Ravens. 
Yeah, it's it's Lamar. I think I think Lamar is cementing more of himself in the MVP conversation. I know he he did struggle a little bit, but what he's able to do with this team and the weapons that he has, Marquise Hollywood Brown is there, and he's just he he hasn't been anything up until this year. And I've been saying it on my show all season long, and I will continue to say it. Rashad Bateman is going to end up being the wide receiver one on this team eventually. Maybe you'll see it this season. You'll definitely see it in the coming seasons because this guy he's a stud, and he's exactly what what. Lamar Jackson has needed um, a guy that's going to be able to go up and get the ball for him. I saw there was one play during this game uh, during, I believe it was the fourth quarter Rashad Bateman had a catch and it was a broken play that Lamar Jackson's scrambling on, but Bateman just finds a way to improvise. And that's what we really need to do with the quarterback like Lamar improvise. Lamar throws it up and Bateman goes up and gets it. And he's going to be a stud in this league. Fonz, if you're watching, you're going to want to note this down. I think Lamar Jackson has solidified himself as the most electric and best player in the NFL. The fact that teams week after week cannot figure this man out, knowing that the Ravens really have nothing offensively to throw at them. The fact that the three touchdowns in which he threw are to Devin Duvernay, who is your punt returner, kick returner, Patrick Ricard, who is your fullback, and Devonta Freeman, who wasn't even on a roster midway through the season. You know, we talk about all the time about quarterbacks that don't have these plethora rep, uh, of weapons. We talk about Aaron Rodgers for years now. If only Green Bay invested a first-round pick in a wide receiver. That man is Devontae Adams. What, what, is, what does Lamar Jackson have outside of, you know, Marquise Brown, who was a great pick but has made so much more of it, I think, because of the connection with Lamar Jackson, and Mark Andrews, who's developed nicely. Can you imagine if they gave him, like, a solid number one? Like, I, I'm seeing Rashad Bateman. He has spurts of great positivity in terms of production and play but my goodness combined with what Lamar could do himself can you imagine if they actually gave him a number one receiver to throw to because Marquise is a slot guy but he just beats everybody off the line Mark Andrews is a terrific tight end but uh, tight end uh, as good as you are I don't think you could solidify yourself as a number one option going forward and they have absolutely no what is it running back committee by this point you know it's Tyson Williams it's one week it's Latavius Murray one week Devonta Freeman, Patrick Ricard this week, like, and it's Lamar Jackson. He has solidified himself, I think, as the best player in the NFL because week after week, you are a defense, and granted, Minnesota has not been good this year, but the only thing you have to do is prioritize yourself with what Lamar Jackson does, and nobody can figure him out. Yeah. Yeah, and you say, and you say uh, this has been such a weird season for Patrick Mahomes. Again, a lot of people are saying that. Oh, have we fit? Ha, is there now a game plan for Patrick Mahomes? I don't see many people saying that about Lamar Jackson. Uh, no. the, figuring out a game no. plan for Lamar Jackson, and it's just and 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 the and the the criticism of him has been he just runs the ball. He's just run, and what's he going to be able to? What's he going to do when when the team needs him to pass? He's been an incredible passer this year. So that is a uh, fantastic, fantastic point. And he's just so calm, too. Granted, think about this. He has nobody to rely on in the backfield. Not a lot of options in the pass game. The only reason why the Baltimore Ravens are going to win a game is because of Lamar Jackson, and he does it week <laughs> after week. And nobody and can stop Tucker. him. And Justin yeah. Tucker. Don't, don't forget about the legs. Can't forget oh, about the and leg. let's add this. His starting left tackle suffered another season-ending injury. Ronnie Staley, he's done for the year again? Yeah. Oh, man. There's, I don't think Ben Cleveland's back either. His best offensive lineman right now might be Kevin Zeitler. Yikes. Yeah, he is. Kevin Yikes. Zeitler, I think, is a yeah. top five pass grade this year. So, Who but, did uh, Kevin Zeitler play for last year? Hmm. I think, 
I think the Giants. I saw the, I saw this stat. I wanted to bring it up last week. I forgot to take a picture. Real quick oh, side note: oh, don't five fall. five previous offensive linemen that played for the Giants are top five in passer rating this year in terms of pass blocking. Five previous Giants offensive linemen, including Zeitler, is one of them. Yeah, I forget the other two, but Justin Pugh is on there. Yeah, the same and Eric and Eric Flowers. I remember that. Oof. That isn't that terrible. Don't say his name. Oof. Do not say. <laughs> It's rough. It's rough. Speaking to this Lamar comparison, James has another comment, uh, James Robinson, that is, uh, look at Russell Wilson before Metcalf and before Lockett developed. Uh, quarterbacks prove their true worth when they succeed with less. And mm-hmm. it's the same thing in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. Yes, we mentioned Devontae Adams, but – I mean, we saw their performance on Sunday. They're a five-win team every year without Aaron Rodgers. You could make the – I mean, Baltimore drafts really well. I, w- I will give – they draft much better than Green Bay does. But, man, you're right. I mean, the running back issues, the line issues, the lack of receiver depth, which it's a little better this year than in years past. But, man, he, he might be, like, the most important player to a football team in the NFL. Yeah. Even the defensive really issues, even the defensive issues, the injuries to the secondary, which was supposed to be so uh, dominant. I mean, obviously losing Peters for the year, uh, Peters for the year hurts because that probably would have been the best cornerback tandem in football, Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey. But even Marlon has had some struggles this year. It's really just been Lamar Jackson or bust for this Ravens team. It has. And it's it's wild. I, I I remember I talked about this on my show. If like you were to tell me that the Ravens would have this many in, like the, these players injured going into the season, it would be. I would say the Ravens would not be a playoff team. But Lamar, Lamar has literally carried this team to just new heights. It's wild. So we're gonna get to a few more games now. James, you're gonna love this. Dallas oh, loses. To the Denver Broncos, uh, trailed thirty nothing at one point. Broncos, you know, they they sagged off a little. Oh, Dallas to get some garbage time points, but man, when Dalton Schultz is your leading receiver with just fifty four yards, something's wrong, like really wrong with your football team. And I don't Fine know if me. this was I don't know if this was a one week fluke or is Dallas in in trouble. Can we go that far and say that? I mean, the NFC East hasn't been won yet. I, I don't think that I don't think that they're in trouble. I, I wouldn't say that they're in trouble. I think when you look at this, when we when we talked well when we talked about the Giants going back to the Giants segment, right? Mm-hmm. The first eight weeks of the season, the defense couldn't do anything, right? That's what this Denver defense essentially was as well. I mean, they were I, I would say they were in a better spot. But this was their coming on party, you know, holding this Dallas offense, which is an absolute juggernaut, because we want to talk about Dak coming back from a hamstring pull. He was not good. But also Ezekiel Elliott, who basically had his worst game of the season this year as well, who you would think in a game Dak Prescott coming back after being absentee from that uh, Minnesota game, they would be heavily reliant on the run game. They just weren't. And they weren't because they couldn't get anything going with the run game. They got down early. And with the defense as well, uh, Dan Quinn, while I think he's done a tremendous job, I think that Dallas's defense, while I think they do play at a very high level, I think they were playing above a lot of people's expectations so far. And I don't want to say this was a coming down to earth type of thing because, again, you got to remember, this is Denver's offense. This isn't, this isn't a juggernaut of an offense looking to blow you out. This was, I don't, I don't want to say it's a fluke, 
because we've seen any given Sunday, right? That was week nine. That was the epitome of week nine, any given Sunday. But I, I would say it'd be more so just, you know, we talk about games that you're not supposed to lose, you lose. Games you're not supposed to win, you win. I would say this is that type of game. I would say on uh, Mike McCarthy's end, I wouldn't have rushed Dak Prescott back. That would have been my thing. You're paying this guy all this money. He's an MVP conversation. You saw Cooper Rush played in Minnesota, and granted, that was a great game by him himself. And while I think that, again, Denver's defense might have been a tougher task, what, what's the race back, especially in the NFC East where, uh, again, as, as decently as the Giants are playing as of recent, Philadelphia's playing semi-better, Washington's kind of sliding off. There's still three games ahead of the nearest competition in terms of first place. So that's what I would say. I would say there was no rush back, but a good one for the Broncos, though, right? Good one for the Broncos, who at last week's trade deadline, they were supposedly supposed to be breaking everything apart, and they kept the team together, and they got a solid one. It's the reason they, they, Teddy Two Gloves showed why they kept him instead of <laughs> I like trading that. him to, uh, I like that. to New Orleans. Yeah, would, Vinny, yeah. would you say t- Teddy Two Gloves? Yeah, Teddy Two Gloves. Yeah, I like Teddy that. Two Gloves. <laughs> I, I can't. T- I don't think I can take. Yeah, I can't take credit for that. My buddy on our on my show has said that many of times and uh, died laughing at it too. I, it, it was a it, it was a good one. But they, they, I mean, he was supposedly the, the Saints apparently came calling Denver to yeah. acquire him, and Denver wanted to keep him. So, and if the Denver was trying to go into a new direction, you would think trading a quarterback would. Bring in back, bring back quite the quite the haul, and and especially for the Saints team that's trying to make a push to the playoffs. So I would assume that the the price tag was a little bit was nice enough, but they they trust Teddy to to make it happen. And I mean, he returned he returned to the favor and said, "Hey, let's uh, I'm going to go out there and dominate the Cowboys." So yeah, I think. It, and how much is Ty, Ty? What is his name? Tyron Smith, the the mm-hmm. tackle for He's the so Cowboys. He team. is a huge huge factor for this team and when he is out it is noticeable on this offensive line yeah, yeah. that has another factor into why they couldn't get anything run game wise yeah. but everyone's talking about how improved their defense is this year javante williams just ran all over them for 111 yards this guy's a rookie just finding <laughs> holes all over them i mean outside of micah parsons who's been outstanding two and a half sacks on sunday but they couldn't do anything they, they, they couldn't stop the run. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater looked really good, like he did against us in week one. I mean, that's why I proposed the question I did before. I think Dallas is a little inconsistent. Um, even with Cooper Rush last week, I thought they should have lost the Minnesota game. And, you know, you're looking at, in what are they, six and two? Yeah. Uh, yeah, six and yeah, two right now. Yeah. You'd be looking at five and three right now, and you'd have a little more doubt in this team than you do now. Uh, I still think they're the favorites in the NFC East, but I think time is going to tell. Um, I want to move on to this next game, though, the Cleveland Browns and the Cincinnati Bengals, the battle for Ohio. And the big news, and Vinny, I know you haven't known Kyle, James, and myself for very long, but – Years ago, we used to get into shouting matches, <laughs> yelling matches over a man by the name of Odell Beckham Jr. The good old days, uh, Vinny. The good old days. Well, about, really. about the head of the Green Bay Packers, Odell Beckham Jr. kind of thing. Yeah, that, right. yeah I, know, I know. Yeah. Re- released last week. Rumor has mm-hmm. it he wants to join the Packers because he cleared waivers. And the Browns proved that Odell did not help their football team. Baker Mayfield 
looked good. He, he, you know, he, he didn't put up any flashy numbers, but he got the job done. Nick Chubb, who did just test positive for COVID, 14 rushes, 137 yards, and two TDs. Troy Hill was great. The Browns had no turnovers and made Joe mm-hmm. Burrow look like he was lost. I mean, the, the Browns are trying to save their, their playoff hopes right now because of how competitive this AFC North is. And they look better without Odell. I don't, I don't know if it's so much Odell. It, especially in this game, I think this game was really just the – and I said this on my show yesterday, last night's show. This, this game here was everything that we've been talking about with the Cincinnati Bengals this past offseason was they went, in, they went wide receiver instead of fixing that O-line. And mm-hmm. Joe Burrow was under pressure all game long. And in a division where you have to face Miles Garrett in this defense twice a year, you would think that they would go after an offensive line and help Joe Burrow out, but they didn't. And it showed in this game because that defense was just blowing the Cincinnati Bengals out. And that's what uh, Baker may, and uh, Baker, I'm not, I'm not crazy about Baker Mayfield. I don't think he's that, that good. And I, I think the real problem in this offense is the fact that you can't really rely on Baker Mayfield too much. And that's the, so not so much of, of Odell. And I, I do, I do think Odell is a problem. I'm not going to uh, hide from that one, but I do think that Baker Mayfield is also not very good. I mean, I, I think he's an NFL starter. I mean, I, I think we could reason with that. I think he's an NFL starter. Four man um, Kirk cousins kind of thing like that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I actually I think Cousins is, is a top 12, 13 quarterback in the league. I've always liked him. He's he's been an underdog his whole career. And I mean, you know, I mean Baker, you're right. He might be taking a similar path, a guy who's not gonna be super flashy. But I think the older he gets, the more mature he's gonna get. And you don't need to throw 300 yards per game to win on the Cleveland Browns because of what they've established defensively. And while he may not be the best quarterback, it's been proven before, you don't need the best quarterback to, to win. Having him as their QB works. Um, I, I think, did they just think they, they extended a lineman today? Was it Wyatt Teller? Yeah, Wyatt Teller. Yeah, He's probably, in my opinion, there was a stat last year. He was the number one rated guard in PFF. I, I still think outside of Quentin Nelson, he's probably the best guard in football, right? He doesn't yeah. make any mistakes to my knowledge. No. So, yeah. That offense, that entire offensive line is mostly top ranked offensive linemen, whether it's the tackles and Jedrick wills or whatever. And then the rest of that O line is just, it's just unreal. What do we think of this comment? Patriots. I don't, I don't think that makes I, I don't any sense. It. I don't think that makes any sense. No. I mean, I get it. Uh, I get it from the standpoint. If you want to be wide receiver, number one, but his whole, the, the mantra, or at least what's being, published is that he wants to be on a winning team and as good as the Patriots have played um, I think it's more so like a Cleveland situation in a sense right they have a strong run game a really good defense a solid offensive line good coaching and as long as the quarterback doesn't blow it you should win the football game like Mac Jones has played well don't get me wrong I think he's blown a lot I don't want to say blown a lot of people away but exceeded expectations so far this year but if he wasn't in a Bill Belichick-led system, how great would he really be? Because yeah, we've seen the other, we've seen the other four quarterbacks this year drafted before him, and I think we could all agree 
Mac Jones has played the best, but probably played the best because he's in the best system and best situation. Odell Odell wants the targets. Odell wants the ball, and he wants good passes. And 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 this would be going from Baker to Mac Jones it would be a downgrade in terms of passing. Yes, Mac Jones is passing. He has he has more pass attempts than Baker Baker Mayfield, but his average depth of of, of pass is just drastically lower it's about like it's around five or six yards per attempt and baker's not there odell's not the guy that is going to enjoy having to run those short routes and that's it odell's going to want to make big plays and i don't think i think bill belichick and odell beckham jr would be a uh just oof that'd be not a good relationship we say that right never complained about eli manning he should have never complained about him and every receiver who's left the Giants and gone on to another team has said the exact same thing. Hakeem Nix, Mario Manningham, Jeremy Shockey, Brandon Jacobs. I know he's a running back, but everybody complained they were nobodies. So I know Victor Cruz had the big injury, but he tried coming back on the Bears, and the quarterback play was atrocious. Just saying. I, with, well, we say that with New England, right? And I'm not, I'm not saying that's – that's out of the chamber of happening because it was just reported that apparently three other teams that are interested are the Patriots, the saints and the chiefs. So his agent is talking with those three other teams. That would just be unfair. Right. Um, But with new England, we all thought that was insane when Tom Brady recruited Antonio Brown. Right. And granted he only played one game. He only played one game because they released him because of all the other off the field issues. Granted, if he played the entirety of that season with the Patriots, I I think that would have been a different story. And, in terms of the play, the play would have spoken for itself. Again, in terms of situation for himself, I don't think he should play there. I, I think that, if anything, you go to the Chiefs or you go to Green Bay and you can't lose in either situation. I think more so if you're going to pick a winner right now, you go with Green Bay. That probably looks like the most That probably looks like the most competent team in the entire NFL, to be quite honest with you. Because the Rams have had some major losses. Tampa has some had questionable losses. Tennessee is... Somehow the favorites in the AFC, once again, the Buffalo Bills, questionable. All these other teams that were supposed to compete are just not the Chiefs. What are they? Green Bay, you know, Aaron Rodgers doesn't miss this game against the Chiefs. They, they lose 13-7 to with Jordan Love. Imagine what they would have done to the Chiefs with Aaron Rodgers. That's the team to be on right now. Yeah. yeah and, and Aaron Rodgers can support two wide receivers. That's the other thing is I don't think Baker could, could support multiple weapons, but, but Aaron Rodgers can definitely do that. But gentlemen, I do have to go. I actually, and, and I, I told you, I told you Tom earlier that I was, my show is at eight 30. It is actually at eight. And I did not realize that we scheduled a hockey show from eight to eight 30 and then doing oh. another show eight 30 to nine 30. So I apologize gentlemen, but I do have to go. I'm sorry about that. Oh, good man. Pleasure oh, having good. you on with us. Yeah, anytime, guys. Anytime. Well, enjoy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Enjoy <laughs> it's going to be interesting. Day. Appreciate you guys. Go Jaguars. Appreciate yes. it. Thanks, Vinny. Bingo. Vinny Milani from the Rough Cut Sportscast. Uh, that was a rough cut right there. Uh, we did not plan that one out. <laughs> but uh, Vinny's awesome. Make sure to go check him out. Like his Facebook page, YouTube channel, you name it, at the Rough Cut Sportscast, gentlemen. Just gonna analyze three three more games. I don't I don't want to tiptoe around this Odell situation much longer. But can I just say one thing about that? Oh, yes, I did. I did want to get your take on this. Yes, um, Kyle, he's not coming home. I'm sorry. 
Yeah. There was no, you know, there was no question. I'll, it was never. I'll come happen. by and comfort you tonight after the show. If that makes you feel any better, you can cry on my shoulder. What, James, I knew there was never a chance of it happening. The but if, to see to see the reaction of both you and Tom, if it magically did happen, would have made my would have made forget about my year. Would have made my time at review and preview. Would have it would have literally been the funniest reaction I think we've ever seen. The I, best reaction I think we've ever seen. Let's let's pull up this comment that I made in the review and preview Facebook group uh, earlier this week. I think you both know what I'm referring to, Kyle. I did. I, I saw that as soon. Yeah, I did see that. I did see it. Um, here we'll, we'll, we'll James. We'll pin this comment while I'm re- retrieving that. Yeah. Um, Alec Walters, Tom. We are all. We all know you have a giant. Wait, Tom, we all know you have a Giants OBJ jersey front and center in your man cave. Facts. Facts. Um, uh, but on a serious note, why Tom looks for that, um, the only other team I could see, I could have seen Odell go to would be the Cowboys, but the Cowboys are just fully stacked right now. And I don't think he's going to the Cowboys. I would rather see the Cowboys win the Super Bowl convincingly um, this year than have Odell come back to the Giants. Yeah, okay, sure. Mm-hmm. Whatever you say, Sam. James, I, this is not up for debate. This is factual. The, this opened a real can of worms. It, it, it surprised a lot of people. As Steve agree, agreed with me. Thanks, Steve. Um, maybe Philadelphia. Hill, Hill, Hill was a little shocked, too. Um, yeah, he was. Look, I, I, I respect Dallas. I may not like them. I mean, I don't – and Brian Attard, of course, with the Dak wink. I mean, we got a lot of <laughs> weird reactions to this. But let, let me put myself out of my misery before we uh, <laughs> kind of – Kyle is also a huge Nikola Jokic fan. Is that referring to the uh That was referring to last night. Not a uh, uh not a not a pretty sight. Not a pretty sight. Um uh, was not pleased to see that happen, especially in a blowout loss, but it is what it is. Well, um Cardinals. Colt McCoy does it again. He goes on the road, he beats the 49ers. Should've no Kyler him. Murray, Should've no DeAndre him. Hopkins, no Chase Edmonds, no problem. Cardinals team's on a different level, man. Yep. Colt McCoy threw just four incomplete passes the entire game. Should've the kept man them. is 34 years old. Should have kept them. Should have yeah, kept them. We, we got long neck pirate looking guy as our backup QB now. Um, <laughs> he actually didn't look. Also, this is the second time the Cardinals franchise has started 8-1 and one since 1950. Would you imagine uh. that? And look who they won this game with. James Conner, a Pittsburgh reject. Mm-hmm. Also had five catches for 170, uh, 177, 77 yards and a touchdown. He had almost 200 all-purpose yards. The Cardinals had five sacks. Marcus Golden had three of them. You want to talk about an island of misfit toys? Arizona is the place to go right now. I mean, look at all the recycled Giants players that are on that roster with an eight and one record. Marcus Golden is there is the best pass rusher on their team. 
Well, Tom, I like how you said misfit toys reject Giants players. Odell could be going to the Cardinals. Can you imagine? I don't think so. That would never happen, James. No, I know that would never happen, but the way you just lined that up for me to plug that in was perfect. It's sad. It's sad. But no, how many many players have have left the Giants? And just what's really sad is that now Evan Ingram's going to start balling out on a contract year, and he's he's going to be on his way back because you know Jabril Peppers is hurt. They're not allocating Mm -hmm. that money to him. Who else are they going to give it to? Come on. All right. You know what? Maybe I shouldn't have went there, but it's true. No, it, I wanted, I not? forgot to say it. I, I wanted to text in the group chat last week uh, when he got his first touchdown of the season. I'm like, all right, book him in for the Pro Bowl, just like last year. <laughs> I hate to say this to you. I'm starting to think he's coming back. If this man is starting to think, Tom, we knew that before the season happened when they refused <laughs> to trade him the last two years in a row. We knew he wasn't going to get traded, but I didn't think we were going to resign him, especially if Jabril Peppers stayed healthy. I feel like he would have been more of a – but now that McKinney's playing this well and you've invested another two years in Logan Ryan, mm-hmm. why would you keep Jabril Peppers? Because he is youthful and he is electric, and I think he brings that unit together. Where Logan Ryan, I think where I we've agree. said on the show before, is older, and mm-hmm. while McKinney is youthful, he's only had a solid couple games this year, and he missed a lot of time last year. This is his rookie season, so – but that makes a whole lot of sense. Why would the Giants do that? Is my, That's true. Is my like question. what you said with Evan Ingram, you said you didn't think we were going to trade him, but we weren't going to sign him at the end of the year, which means we were going to do the Landon Collins way where we refused to trade him but let him walk anyway and get nothing for him. Yep. Exactly. Man, exactly. We're, we're just we're ricocheting off each other right now. Anyway, George Kittle returns for the 49ers, six catches. Mm-hmm. 101 piece with a touchdown and Brandon Ayuk. Where has this name been this entire season? This was supposed to be potentially the number one guy. Yeah, I'm going to ask you guys this while we're on the 49ers game. Is Kyle Shanahan going to lose his job this offseason? Because I think it's really becoming a. I, I think he, I, to be honest, I, Tom, you're shaking your head. I'm assuming you mean no. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to happen. I think it's going to happen because he has too much talent on this roster to lose the way that they lose. There's too the fact that, like you're saying, Brandon Ayuk should have been a number one, at least a number two, and the guy wasn't even a number four wide receiver the way that they were using the first eight weeks of the season. And granted, they have suffered a lot of injuries. We'll put that into play. The way that they've lost games is just unacceptable. The scores in which they've lost games is just unacceptable. The fact that the Bears almost beat them last week is mind-boggling to me. Yeah. Uh, A team that puts up the least yardage per game and averages the least points per game almost beat that team. So, I don't know. I just put that question out there. I want to hear some reaction. It's a good question. The reason why I shook my head is because of the six-year contract. Um, That's why. Um, I, I don't think Lynch will go back on that. But if they continue to play this way, how can you justify bringing back a sub-500 record coach who brought your team to the Super Bowl once? It's looking more like a one-year wonder at this point mm-hmm. more than anything. Well, then let me ask you this question. If it's not Shanahan, when do you think they turn the ball over to Trey Lance and just say – Enough is enough. They have three wins this season, right? 
Another two to three weeks. Wow. No, no, no. I'm saying the 49ers they, team only have three wins this season, and those three wins came against Detroit, Philly, and Chicago. Yeah, I mean, look, losing Raheem Monster was tough because they're starting a rookie running back. So I, I, I understand the 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 frustration with them. It's injuries every year. They haven't had George Kittle, and look, I'm not making excuses for this team. Right? You still have to win football games. It's the NFL. Every team's going to deal with this crap, but. This is how the NFL wins. If you don't win games, you're going to be asked these types of questions. Yeah. That's just how it is. And I think it's a fair statement. And James Robinson says, I can't see them letting him go after drafting Lance. That's another interesting point. Wait, I, mean, I guess. I guess. I mean, the but only reason why. To the Kyle's big- point, you want to see Lance sooner than later now. If yes. the team is losing like this, because they're not trending up, they're trending down. The only reason why I debate that point, James, and I mean James Robinson, the only reason why I debate that point is because if you remember on draft night, less than 24 hours beforehand, they were looking to trade for Aaron Rodgers and had a deal in play that fell through. So that's why I've always questioned whether yeah. Trey Lance is going to be the guy. Because if less than 24 hours away, you're looking to, and you got to remember, that was after they traded themselves into the top three after being at like the 11th or 12th spot in that year's draft yeah, to draft the quarterback and still 24 hours before draft night, look to trade that pick for a quarterback that's already well and established in this league versus starting over. So I don't know. I don't know either. It's going to be interesting when you get out rushed 163 to 39 with going up against the backup running back. That's a problem. That is not a recipe for winning, but Let's move on to the primetime games. We have two more. The Titans defeat the Rams 28-16. to Adrian Peterson signs with the Titans, has a touchdown. T- uh, Titans defense had five sacks, two picks, three of them from defensive tackle Jeffrey Simmons, a team that led 21-3 to at the half. Um, Tannehill did not look great, but they continued to just do what they do. Win football games. The Rams didn't look like themselves. Matthew Stafford had two picks, and the Rams committed 12 penalties in this game. Um, I don't know if this is just me, but we really got to start giving Mike Vrabel more credit for the job that he's done with this roster. The defense isn't as good as it was in years past. You've lost players on your offensive line over the past year or two, and you don't have your earth, wind, and fire player in the backfield anymore. And, and you find a way to not just beat the Rams, but convincingly take them down in front of America on Sunday night with everybody watching. I think Vrabel is one of the best head coaches in this league. I agree with that. I agree with that, uh, and I'm not saying that this game doesn't prove that because going into SoFi, you're on the road. Again, this was probably the team to beat in the NFC. But in this game, I mean, as bad as the defense was committing penalties for the Rams, I mean, Matthew Stafford literally just handed them the ball, right? Had two possessions right inside the 10-yard line, one return for pick six, and then one starting off right inside the 10, uh, one play down for the Tennessee Titans and throws for a touchdown. So they didn't have to do that much. I mean, granted, they had some fortunate plays, but, again, Tom, like you brought up, this will be the, the testament to how good of a coach Vrabel will be when the, when the 
hypothetical back is pushed up against the wall, you're missing literally your entire offense with Derrick Henry being out. Because we've so again, the Rams are a great defense, but we've seen what Tannehill is without that dependability uh, dependability upon a Derrick Henry to take that pressure off him from being a quarterback that throws the ball 30 plus times a game. Um, even though they traded for a guy in Julio, you'd think that make him more so of a passing offense. That's not the case. Now, so with a running back in Adrian Peterson, who's, who's coming off a could have been performance with Dancing with the Stars, chose to come back to football. A Julio Jones, who is, who is, you know, has, has not really been that great this season. A.J. Brown, who's been decent. And again, mm-hmm. you're going to have to be heavily relying upon your quarterback in a division that is probably one of the most winnable in football in the AFC South. And now going into this week in the turnstile, what seems to be the favorites to win the AFC every single week, where it changes heads every different week, uh, they have to show that they can be consistent, right? Because once they lost mm-hmm. to the Jets and the way they started off the season, people were saying that, well, this team is, what, what is this team? Now they are the favorites once again. But now will be the testament to how far they could go on the coaching of Mike Vrabel and what they could do and adapt to the fact that they don't have Derrick Henry moving forward. Well, I also think that the Titans came in there and a lot of people were picking the Rams with the addition of Von Miller to that defense front where it's like, you got Aaron Donald, you got Von Miller, you got, you know, that defense you would think now has become beefier in a sense. Titans probably walk in there hearing all the news throughout the week. Rams signed Von Miller, Von Miller's this, yada, yada, yada. And then, are able to hold that defense in check where the Titans can score points. Well, Miller didn't play on Sunday night. But not even that, the hypeness around it. Yeah, there, there's been a lot of hype around the Rams right now, and rightfully so, James. I, I just – I think it, it's so hard because – I. The, the Titans still carry that loss to the Jets. And then the the Rams losing to the Titans, it's just the NFL hasn't made much sense the last huh. couple of weeks. I, I just I, I think the Titans really just um adapted their game plan really well for um life after Henry this season because yeah. right now they have to find a way to make a run without him. And that is a tough task to do. And as Kyle mentioned, you're going up against potentially the best team in the league right now in the Rams and you kill them. Yeah. I was shocked when I saw the score. Same with me. Same with me. I mean, what they're doing works. You have the combo of AP McNichols, you have three okay tight ends that you use, Pruitt, Ferkser, and Swain, mm-hmm. A.J. Brown, Julio Jones. That's still a good offense. It is a good offense. The problem is, is that they've, they've been so heavily reliant on Derrick Henry, yeah. you don't know what that offense is without him. No, that's true. But, well, I still think they're winning the, the division regardless. Yeah, no, they're, yeah. they're going to win the division regardless. The remaining teams left on their schedule are pretty simple, and this would have been a game that if Tennessee lost, it would have been the Colts' yeah. fighting chance to kind of get back. But now three games behind, it's 
it's really going to be pretty difficult for them to come back and win the division. My problem is the Titans are a team I see potentially being a one-and-done in the playoffs without Derrick Henry because the the level of competition is going to be much higher. Um, Without a doubt. It all depends. We have one more game to talk about. and It's last night's game. Uh, Dom was blowing up my phone for two hours about this game. And the Steelers did not deserve to win this game. I have never – and look, you should never be blaming a game on the refs. Oh. But, oh, my God. Cassius Marsh got screwed over not once but twice with the taunting penalty. And you know me. I don't like when guys do that stuff, but that was an – Awful call. I mean, he wasn't doing that to the 250-pound kicker running on the field. That's not what he was doing. Look, he should have just went back to the sideline. I get it. That's what he should have did. But, look, the guy hasn't played much this year. He was just excited to make a play. And I think both of you know me really well. If it's coming out of my mouth, that's saying something. They, the refs really messed up. That's 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 the thing which we I, I just don't. Well, first off, let me say this: when we look at these primetime games that have been scheduled to be like pretty <laughs> terrible games, they've actually been some of the better games in football this year. Let me just say that number one. It's true. Number two, not only that, Tom, but I think one of the most appalling parts in that play is then on his way back to the sideline, he gets hip checked by the referee, and the flag is thrown, and the and then the flag and then the flag gets thrown. Yeah. And I don't remember who brought it up this morning, but, but, but an analyst brought it up, which was, again, just mind-boggling to me. What is – it's not even a self – it's, it's almost a self-determined rule, depending on what happens in these games. Aaron Rodgers, a couple weeks ago, is playing against Washington and is able to yell at the crowd in Green Bay and yell at the Washington football team, I own you. But Cassius Marsh – gets flagged for, for staring down the sideline, which is 30 feet away. Not, not one in particular player, but just the sideline. And didn't, and didn't run up to the sideline and stare them down either. Just, just look them down from midway in the field. Yeah. The, the James doesn't have a bad comment there. Well, as bad as the Steelers were in the second half, Pat Fryermuth had one heck of a game two touchdowns the bears couldn't stop him mm-hmm. he might be like that next really good tight end in the nfl and cole Komet was good himself on the bears end yeah um, justin fields was throwing some great throws still it's some great catches. fields had a fields had a good game i thought um yeah. you know there were some questionable throws but a lot more good than bad mm-hmm. um against the steelers defense that is good but they are suspect suspect at times that they don't have uh, the best secondary. I mean, they have a good secondary, but the depth really isn't there in that secondary. Like if something happens to Joe Hayden, they're done, right, at the cornerback yeah. pos- position. And other than Watt, Hayward, and it, what really is there? I mean, they, they traded for Joe Schobert. I mean, they have Devin Bush. Alex Highsmith made one terrible read on that play where I think Fields just ran in for a touchdown at the five tech, you can't be making that read. 
I mean, that's just the rookie mistake, and he's forced into action now because they traded away Melvin Ingram to the Chiefs. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why they should have never released Quincy Roche. Well, well, like you're alluding to, Tom, I don't don't think that that front four, that that seven, is really the problem. It's it's more so it's the secondary, like you alluded to. It's, you know, they ask – it's kind of like what they do in Seattle with Jamal Adams. They do the same thing with yeah. Megan Fitzpatrick. They ask him to do way more than he should have to do and mm-hmm. way too many responsibilities that, than he should have to do. And that's why they're so heavily dependent upon, like in this game, David Montgomery first came back at a solid game, only 13 carries for 63 yards. That's still a decent game against this Steelers front seven. But then in the passing game, you're seeing Cole Komet get open for huge, huge plays. Allen Robinson had his best game of the season. And Allen Robinson is, is, is a star number one receiver who they just could not get into this offense. They integrated him very nicely. Uh, Goodwin breaks out for a 50-yard reception. A great catch. Darnell Mooney looked great. Jimmy Graham reminded the world that he's still in the NFL. I completely forgot up until last night. I didn't even know that he was on a football team still. Th- this was a great game. That's what's confused. That's what I would like – I would pose this to you guys, right? Was this a a bad game by the Pittsburgh Steelers defense or Justin Fields coming out party as a solid or good quarterback in, in the NFL? I don't want to say good quarterback is only really one great start, but showing those spurts that a rookie you would hope would show. Uh for me, it's a combination of both because at times Steelers' secondary just looked awful. I mean, Darnell Mooney was literally wide open. Uh, I'm not talking about the touchdown. There, there was one other play in this game that, that Fields just threw it deep and he was there. Colt Komet was picking apart the secondary. And, yeah, you got to give Fields some credit because the Bears' offensive line is not good. In fact, it's one of the worst in the NFL. And the fact that he's able to do this with a bad offensive line uh, it speaks volumes to how good of a QB he's been. He's he's played better than Lawrence by a little bit right now. He also has a slightly better roster uh, to work with. Outside of Mac, I mean, see, Matt, Mac Jones fits that scheme, but like the talent ability fields has probably been the most impressive with what he's been able to do in such a short span of time. So to answer your question, Kyle, um, I think it's a combination of both. I'd lean more towards Pittsburgh's defense just not playing well due to the amount of spam messages I was getting from Dom. So that's kind of where I, I stand with that. And Andy just being super surprised that they had a chance at the end of the game. And me not apologizing for the Bears getting screwed over because it helps our draft stock. There we go. Yeah. Yep. Why yep. should I apologize for the Bears getting screwed? You shouldn't. You sh- yep. You shouldn't have to. Bears should be able to take care of their own business. James, do you agree with James? I think for now, they do. I want to see more out of fields. I haven't seen much of the Bears. Uh, Andy could contest a lot more than I could. Um but fields look good at times. Uh, I think with how with the stupid penalties that was thrown throughout the night, I wouldn't be surprised if there was an upset last night. 
not just the penalties that were thrown, James, but the penalties that weren't thrown. Well, yes. Part of the press conference last night, Justin well, Fields took a, a nasty a hit. A nasty that hit. That was such a obvious flag, and it just – and Ben Roethlisberger got that same call. Yeah. And so Justin Fields just didn't. And well, Justin Fields brought up a decent point, uh, and he said that he had a conversation with Joe Burrow uh, in weeks prior – uh, saying that, you know, just a young quarterback in this league, you're not going to get the same type of calls that a veteran quarterback gets. And yeah. you understand that from a standpoint. You, you do get that. You have to have some tenure. When it's that egregious and, and a guy is, like, crushing your head in and Whoa. folding up your body like a lawn chair, you have to you have to do something. You have to do something because what if he gets hurt on that That's play? what I'm saying. Like, it's not something that's a questionable call here. This is a night and day type situation where you say to yourself, what is the purpose of having replays? And what is the purpose of having what four or five referees on the field if you're going to miss something like that? How do you like miss that? Three in the booth. Yeah. Uh, How do you uh, New that? York watching. Yeah. I don't understand that. I mean, uh, Mac Jones probably got what was coming from with the Brian Burns incident, but Burns was not innocent either, too. <laughs> that, that was extent. that's a whole different story. That was bad. Yeah, that, that was that, bad. That, 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 was, bad. Was, that, was, bad. that was very bad. Um, yeah. But anyway. Um, all right. So we're going to transition into um, a different type of segment here. And we normally don't run these types of segments, but we've approached mid season to the longest NFL season ever. We're going to give out our mid season report cards. And I want each of us to pick three teams in the NFL, give them a letter grade on how you think they've done so far this season. Uh, James, I would like to start with you. Who are your three teams? What are their grades and why? All righty. Three teams. Let's do the Chiefs. I'll do that one. Um, they get a C in my book. Uh, you want to know why? Or do you want me to go through first and then reloop uh, back? You, you can do one at a time. No, C All for right. Chiefs, right? They get a C for Chiefs. Oh, yeah, funny. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> C because they have not looked like themselves. They've have they've been – the team hasn't been in the news, but their lovely star quarterback that everybody raves about his whole family, nearly his whole family has been in the news, um, which I think is a big distraction to him and the team. Um, they also haven't played up to with all these weapons. Mahomes has not looked himself. This defense spags all respect to you when you're on the giants, this defense looks disgusting. Um, I don't think they could stop a fly in the wall let alone we should have won. We should have beat them two weeks ago now. Um, Chiefs get a C, and they're 5-4, and four, considering they should have been one of the favorites to probably go not undefeated, but looking like a Dallas Cowboys type of S team. Um, James, I do agree with you. Um, the Chiefs have the worst defense in the NFL. That is correct. Um, all right, my next team. Let's see. Let's see who is out there. Let's, let's go after the Jets. All right. The, the Jets get a, Let's go a, after the Jets. Let's attack C, the Jets. Hey, so they're on the cusp of a C minus, but they really are getting a D right now. Um, Robert, right? Sala? Sala's their head coach? I, I don't yeah, want to. Yes. Okay. Yeah. When I was watching their game, uh, they were on a bye week this week. So the week after, the week before. No, they played Thursday night. They played against okay, the Yeah, Colts. Thursday night then. Okay. He looked like he had no emotion whatsoever on that sidelines. Like, he just stood there like he didn't even want to be there. I'm sorry. You're the head coach. You should have some more motivation around your team. I can contest this for myself. When I'm working extremely late and I'm trying to rally 
my shifts to get stuff done. I'm at least somewhat energetic. He looked like he didn't want, even want to be on the sidelines. He didn't want to coach anymore. Well, listen, I mean, yeah, just, when you it, use, I'm mean, this is no excuse, but when you lose your starting quarterback on the first play of the well, drive, you, you get, you get a little yes, drained, which, which I do understand. Also their whole quarterback situation hasn't changed since three plus years ago. Yes. Your, your main guy, your guy you draft got hurt. Yes. That's unfortunate. You should be coming back, but you bring in Joe Flacco as one of the backups, but you don't even have him dress a senior guy that you should have probably dressed not having your backup go down to then have your backup backup play. You really should have had your backup Joe Flacco. That way, if your backup went down, you'd have your, an actual QB, you know, not some backup backup, whatever. That was a um, lot so of the same word in the same sentence to follow yeah. along with. Yeah. Um, Wait, James, back up for a minute. I didn't get what you said. Better? I backed up. All right. My next, my final team, um, I do have to go with the Patriots. Um, they get around the B. No one's getting A's in my book. I'm a very hard grader. You're a very hard um, grader? Yeah. James, maybe. students would hate you if you were a teacher. Yeah, good. Um, they get a B. They have shown life in certain games, and they haven't shown life in other games. Um, Bill Belichick... I don't know what exactly went on with his wardrobe yesterday off the bus. It seems like he was like half asleep. I don't know if you guys saw that. I did not see that. I um, didn't see that. Oh. So, but Mac Jones is someone where he he reminds me of a younger um, Tom Brady. Like he, he knows where he's going, but he's having hiccups along the way, which I think that team just needs like – a, not a true number one, but more of a wide receiver core to balance him out in a sense where he's a guy that they will, they can rely on. I would imagine they're, that's their franchise guy, but he just needs a few key pieces to finish the puzzle, and the Patriots will be a very good team. Okay. And that's my three teams. I can't really argue with any of those. Kyle, what do you got? Start me off. I'm going to go with the Baltimore Ravens. I am going to give them an A minus. They're a team that had very high expectations and then very low expectations as soon as uh, training camp began. Obviously, we know the plethora and array of different injuries in which they went through, and the injuries continue to pile on, but that does not slow down their ability to win football games as they are not only six and two in the season, but are winning the what was touted to be probably the most competitive. Well, one of the most competitive divisions in all of football in the AFC North. And they are winning right now with a 6-2 and two record over teams with Cleveland Browns, who had very high expectations, the Cincinnati Bengals, who had very high expectations. And even though the Pittsburgh Steelers didn't have that many high aspirations this year, they still expected to be remain very competitive. And for the Baltimore Ravens to have gone through what they've gone through this season and to still stand tall at that top position in the AFC North, I think that's well-deserving of an A-minus grade. My next team that I want to talk about, I want to talk about the Patriots, but I'm going to switch. I want to talk about the Atlanta Falcons. They were a team that started off the season kind of topsy-turvy. They started off the season one and three, and they have won three of their last four games, and they've done it very closely, granted. And those games include wins against the Jets, wins against the Dolphins, and wins against the Saints. Now, granted, those wins aren't very good, but this is an Atlanta team that in the past had found every single way to lose football games. 
literally every single way to lose football games, guys. Remember last year that Dallas game in which they played? Mm-hmm. With four or five people on special teams forgot that they could touch the ball before it went 10 yards on an onside kick? Every single way. I'm going to give them a B right now. They have been impressive. They've had good defensive stops, and the offense has remained uh, competitive. While people have thought that Matt Ryan would have fallen off, while the running back would have seemingly been an issue, they have managed to integrate a system in which they heavily rely on Cordell Patterson to be that Swiss Army knife in the offense. Kyle Pitts has looked tremendous, and even though they have lost the guy in Calvin Ridley for the year, they've had other guys step up like a Russell Gage, and a uh, Zacchaeus, I believe his name is. They've had guys step up, and so, so far for the Atlanta Falcons, I'm going to give them a B this year. And then my last team, the Miami Dolphins. They were a team that had a 10-6 and uh, record last year, guys. And even during last year, towards the end of the season, there was question marks around the quarterback to Itogovalo, who was only in his rookie season at last year. To start the season off 2-7, and seven, They lost seven games in a row after winning their first game against the New England Patriots, and this previous week winning a game against the Houston Texans. Not very good wins whatsoever. In fact, not good wins at all. New England was not that team that they are now in week one, and the Houston Texans are the Houston Texans. They have many problems. The Miami Dolphins coming off a 10-win season, a defense as loaded as they were, and they didn't lose many pieces, guys. In fact, they added some pieces. They had guys like Will Fuller. Devontae Parker didn't play much last season. He came back, has played a decent amount of their games. I know he went on IR, but a decent amount of their games. Mike Gusecki came on the scene last year, and you expect him to have a big breakout year. Up until the last couple weeks, hasn't really been the case. Same thing with Miles Gaskin. Had a tremendous second half of the year last year. Hasn't really had any notable games up until the last couple weeks as well. And Tua continues to be a question mark in terms of, can this guy win you football games? And going from a 10-6 and six record last year to a 2-7 and seven record this year, I'm going to give this team a D-. minus. This should have been a competitive team. I thought this was going to be a team that was going to be competing with a team like the Buffalo Bills in the AFC East, and they have been far, far from it. So those are my three teams, guys. I like them. Yeah, definitely a good point. I think um, Miami definitely deserves that grade. Um, it's funny, my original three were the Ravens, Dolphins, and one other team. But I just I switched out to. I'm gonna get to mine. I'm gonna start with the Arizona Cardinals, and they're getting an A. Uh, I think it's pretty self-explanatory. Kyler mm-hmm. Kyler Murray, MVP candidate this season. Um, the emergence of Chase Edmonds as a running back. The defense has been outstanding for the most part and the way they've been able to just grind out and win gritty football games and what they were able to do this past week with a bunch of backups in there offensively. And the Cardinals don't have a great offensive line. They have an average offensive line and yet they are eight and one. So I'm giving them an A. My second team is the Indianapolis Colts. I'm giving them a C plus while they started the season off on the wrong foot, they've come back and now all of a sudden they're four and five, but the expectations were much higher than four and five to start the season. Everybody was saying, well, this team might have an outside chance of making the Super Bowl this year if Wentz stays healthy. That has now gone out the window. The, the discussion now is, is this team going to even contend for a wild card position? 
That is the reason why I have them at C+. I like the play of Jonathan Taylor in year mm-hmm. number two. He's been great. Michael Pittman has gone to that next level. Al-Kadeen Muhammad, I mean, I'm, I'm a little biased. I love that guy because he's a local kid from across the river. But, look, the, this Colts team, they're not winning the AFC South. They're very lucky to finish where they left off last year. I, I think their ceiling is no higher than that. And my last team is Kyle's team the Washington football team, they're they're getting a D because while they don't have Fitzpatrick, Chase Young has been non-existent for the most part. Uh, Their their defense, I don't know what's gone wrong with them. And Curtis Samuel hasn't been healthy in addition to Logan Thomas. Nobody's been able to step up for them in their two and six. Right now, they're the worst team in the NFC East, regardless of playing one less game than the Eagles and the Giants. We were talking about before the season about them potentially being the first repeat NFC East division champs in over a decade. Now they're lucky to not finish in last place. So those are my three grades, and that is my rant. Uh, The Washington football team should be much better than this. They should have at least four wins right now. Uh, Quite frankly, the Colts and the Washington football team have been two playoff teams from last season that have mightily disappointed in 2021. I like them. That is is my rant. Uh, And I don't know why you get so angry sometimes. I'm not even talking about my own team. Maybe the Giants have been losing for way too long. Maybe that's what it is. Uh, Yeah, I don't think you could – they've driven to the point where you can't even get angry anymore. It's just like (laughs) – it's just a casual, huh? All right. Another week. Oh, another loss. Okay. Another week. So this next segment we'll go through quickly. I want each of us to pick one game of the week. Obviously, this week there's not too many great games, but there's a couple that really uh, pique my interest. Um, Kyle, we'll start with you on this one. What's your game of the week this week and why? I really love that New Orleans-Tennessee matchup. That game screams, screams trap game for the Tennessee Titans. They won a huge game in SoFi. Granted, not that much on the offense, but on their defense and what they did to Matthew Stafford, pressure him. Because uh, I think uh, Simmons not only had an interception, he sacked uh, Matthew Stafford like three times in that game as well. Yeah. Now you go up against the Saints. We have a solid offensive line. Again, they don't have their starting quarterback in Jameis Winston. They have Trevor Simeon, who did not look bad. Did not look bad against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Actually won that game with him in there. Uh, this screams trap game. I, I really want to see what the Tennessee Titans are able to do. Again, and, and Vegas knows it too, as the Tennessee Titans are only two-and-a-half-point favorites in this game. So I think that's going to be one of the most intriguing matchups of the week. One o'clock game start off your Sunday, I think that's going to be a good one. Yeah, um, I, I think that's, that's going to be a great game for sure. That's one game I definitely had on my list. It's not the game I had in mind, but I definitely like the chance of that being an upset. James, what's your game of the week? My game of the week in week 10, I'm going Seahawks-Packers. Um. That game is, we all know what's going on over in Green Bay, so I don't need to reiterate that. It's all plastered all news. But Aaron Rodgers is supposedly cleared 
if I can do math, Saturday to come back and join the team. So that gives him one day to get football ready, exactly whatever he's been doing, whatever he's been doing at home. Um, I don't see Green Bay starting Aaron Rodgers. So I see another loss for Green Bay. Green Bay has, is going to settle down. See, Seahawks will take that game. Interesting. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah, as, wow. much as, as much as there's a chance that Aaron Rodgers doesn't play, I don't think they have Russell Wilson for Seattle. So Yeah, it's, it, it, it's going to be a backup versus backup game, and Geno Smith is going to come out victorious. I think, uh, by the way, some breaking news because we were bringing up that game. Aaron Rodgers was fined $300,000 yeah. for his COVID protocol the, violations. Was it Rodgers or was it the Packers organization? I know Rodgers no, was fined. No, it was, was Rodgers. Oh, yes. The Packers were fined. The Packers got fined. Oh, uh, yes, you're right. You're correct. I made a mistake with that. The Packers were fined $300,000 for code violations. Well, Rodgers and Alan Rizard yep. each were fined $14,650. Interesting. Yeah. But Geno Smith's going to come out victorious. You heard it here first. All right, James, you better see it in quick picks. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you better put your money where your mouth is. That, that's that's what, what I'm going to say. Um, you know, we, we've all been picking the, the same teams, and Kyle and I seem to pretty much copy each other every week. It's comical. At We're at the point, top, right, Tom? We're at the top. <laughs> Got to create some separation one way or another. But my game of the week, you know, I love old school football, right? Running the football, not many points, very dull, right? So my game of the week is the Patriots and the Browns because, honestly, it's not even about that. I don't know who the hell is going to win this game. Nick Chubb just tested positive for COVID. Vinny was on this show uh, you know, a, l- a little less than an hour ago, just talking about how Baker Mayfield and Mac Jones really aren't two great quarterbacks right now. Uh, I, I get it, Mac Jones is a rookie, but they're kind of like two very similar players at the moment. So, and the philosophies are the same run the ball and play good defense. Mm-hmm. So, this is probably my game of the, the week. New England's favored by one at home, but. The winner of this game improves the six and four, and the loser of this game, probably in the wild card mix, I think Cleveland needs it more than New England. But if New England wins this football game, they're near the top of the AFC East. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, and Tom, I don't even know if you thought about it too, but it'd be funny if Odell signs with the Patriots. <laughs> I'm just I'm putting it out there because I was like, oh man, they're playing Cleveland. Patriots are suited for Odell. Revenge game less than a week later. I don't think Odell would be ready to go if Patriots sign him. No, he'd be ready to go. Why wouldn't he be ready to go? You know, he's uh, he turns. He he's turns, already twenty nine. Just turned twenty nine. He just turned twenty nine. He's still not thirty yet. Wow, he's still got some years left in him. Uh, Stop acting immature. All right. So, also an honorable mention: Chiefs at the Ravens. Um, I've been waiting to bring this up all night, but Kyle Russo, you plugged us with this interesting information this week, and here it is. The Raiders 2020 draft class, and my God, is it bad. 
Um, I, I don't even know how to bring this up, but uh, man, oh man, uh, nope. right. this is awful. This is yeah. absolutely atrocious. This is, and it make to make matters even worse. Uh, a lot of these picks and a lot of these players that were drafted were all mm-hmm. draft capital that were invested after they made the Khalil Mack trade. So essentially, the Raiders got nothing for Khalil Mack. <laughs> I just wanted to bring this up. It, it's it's pathetic. It's Enough sad, man. As a Raiders fan, that's that is sad. Losing franchise, uh, you know, as the. They, they they haven't been anything in decades. It's you know, it is it is what it is. But without further ado, in just about fifteen minutes, the wonderful, lovely, and I say that with the most sarcastic tone possible, college football playoff committee will be making their rankings for the second week in a row. And my God was the initial ranking pathetic. You put Wake Forest at nine. They lose to unranked UNC. You move Michigan State all the way up to three, and they lose to unranked Purdue. You put Oregon, who represents the Pac-12, at four, and you put Alabama at two, despite having one loss, and you leave Cincinnati at number six. My God. I told you Michigan State was not going to last long. I just didn't think it'd be the very next week. I thought it'd be when they actually play the the teams like Michigan, when they play teams like Ohio State later in the year. But they kind of sealed their deal sooner rather than later, so they should be out. Yeah, well, they will definitely be out. Is Bama going to get in with two losses? See, that's my thing. I don't want to see that happen. But I still feel like they're a top four team. No, get Tom, Tom, Tom. We'll we'll be asking ourselves this every single week up until the SEC championship. Kyle, I just <laughs> I just blew up I, I blew up my brain on Sunday morning with Kanan and Kanan and you guys know how Kanan talks about college football. He's mm-hmm. been been on the show before. He literally said, how the hell is Bama ranked number two? They're not good this year. If Even Bama fans are saying it. They don't deserve to be number two, and they're probably going to lose at least one more football game. You know? Uh, I don't – I wouldn't say they're not good. They're going to they're gonna play Georgia. I wouldn't I mean, say they're not good. No, that, that, that that's not the point. I mean – I mean, I don't think – Bryce Bama Young hasn't be- looked – I think this is what we take for granted. Uh, Bama has had the greatest, most epic of seasons the last five years with all the number one first round and second round talent that they produce in the NFL that a season in which they go eight and one with a quarterback in Bryce Young, who looks solid pretty much in every single start so far this season, we take that for granted, really. And we say, oh, Bama's a bad team because he's not lighting up. They don't have three first-round receivers on the roster. They don't have a star number one running back. They're a good team. They're a good team. And so when you say that, you know, are they going to be in with two losses? Well, first off, they got to lose to Georgia. So we'll see if that even happens, number one. And number two, I, I think we know the answer, and that's why you keep on prompting that question, Tom, because bottom line is you know Bama's going to get in. 
how let me ask you this question as much as you don't want to see them in if they lose in the sec championship to georgia how shocked would you be that they don't make it Hmm. i wouldn't be shell shocked this is my argument though don't put them at two put them at four that's where i would have had them put them at four um, I don't disagree with that, but when you put in guys like Michigan State at three and Oregon at four, do you – I mean, you got to question that in its whole entirety, right? It's not like you have teams like Cincinnati and Oklahoma representing the three and four, and you say, well, why are undefeated teams not in front of Alabama? All right. Our loss is better than Alabama's loss. And our, our loss was to Cincinnati, who was ranked second in the AP 25. Yeah. Bama lost to Texas A&M to a backup QB in Zach Calzada. And Texas A&M, yes, they, they beat Auburn this weekend pretty good. But they ranked them high for a reason. It's to protect Alabama. I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, you can't put this under a rug any longer. I mean, we can read between the lines here, folks. But but let's really be honest with Cincinnati's schedule, right? And who they've played so far. Who has really been, even though they're 9-0, you know, Tom, I think you brought this up last week with UCF when they had their season of being undefeated. Who's on this list that you could say projects them into a – top four solidified spot even though they're undefeated like they've played that's it that that the the win against Notre Dame projects you into the top four that's that does it for you we made the playoff last year you did make the playoff last year but then Cincinnati finished off five last year as well correct they were five or six last year uh they were I don't know if they were I don't don't know if they were five I, I think they were seventh I it want was, to say they were – I forget. It was five, something no, in that five was, five was uh, Texas A&M, Jimbo Fisher. Yes, that's right. With um, Because he was complaining that – The quarterback that got drafted by uh, Minnesota with him. Uh, yeah, Kellen Mond. Kellen Mond, yes. Yep. But any point being is that, okay, fine. The Notre Dame game, you want to, we want to use that as an argument. Fine. Really, who else? Who else is there that solidifies them as a solid win that projects you as a top four team? And even if they win the remaining games on their schedule and go undefeated this year, I still don't think that's solid enough competition to project yourself into the top four. My point would be this. I think you're undefeated. You deserve to be there. But at the same point in time, are you playing against the cream of the crop competition? Really? Not really. G5. It's a slap in the face. Uh, SMU was ranked. I mean, they could draw them. They they could draw Houston. I don't know what's going to happen with their conference, but they have to win it. And I can't justify putting a two-loss Bamba team over an undefeated Cincinnati. That's that, that, that's just how I feel. You keep on saying two-loss like they've lost two games. Tom, you still got a month before they even play the SEC championship. <laughs> All right, well – you know, you know, you know what? Uh, maybe it's time for me to go to sleep on this topic for the night, and we move on to some hockey to finish off the show. Because, quite frankly, uh, I already have to rant about this uh, on Thursday or Friday morning, on the <laughs> college football show this week. Because uh, just about nine minutes, they're going to reveal another terrible ranking this week, 
I'd move Notre Dame up one spot and I have to sit there for 45 minutes and try to figure out 45 different ways that Notre Dame could slip in as the four seed. So uh, <laughs> let, let's, let, let's just move on to some NHL. Uh, this was quite fun last night. The Rangers defeat the undefeated Florida Panthers. And look who is at the game. Two familiar faces. Very familiar faces. Our very own Henry and Victor and... Brian Atard from the Sports Box met up in person for the first time ever last night at the Rangers game, and what a game they picked to attend. Um, it had me on the edge of my seat. I was flipping back and forth between that and the Monday night football game on Military Appreciation Night, too. Um, Rangers let 4 nothing, but the Panthers scored three unanswered in the third period. Um I flipped the game after it was 4 nothing. I'm like, all right, this is over. And then I see 4-1, 4-2, 4-3. I'm like, oh, shit, here we go again. Here we go again. To beat good hockey teams. But Shosturkin found the way, man. Uh, the, the, this Rangers team, it wasn't the best week for them. It wasn't the best weekend because you played against a good Edmonton and a good Calgary team. But they managed to hand the Panthers their first loss. And even though the record isn't as good as it was a week ago, that's still a pretty darn good record, and it's been a very impressive 13 games to start off this season, guys. Yeah, yeah. it has been. And, and like I talked, as I said last week when we talked about the Rangers, I think they are right there in terms of most competitive teams and teams to watch out for. When we when all said and done, when we go to the Eastern Conference Finals, I think they are a team that will be there. And what's even scarier about this is is that Panarin is not even Panarin right now. Like, he's, he's there in points in terms of he has 13 points on the season, 11 assists, but two goals, guys. I mean, the, the guy that's carrying this team in terms of goal goals is Chris Kreider with nine goals this season, which, again, Chris Kreider has that capability, but in terms of consistency throughout the entirety of his career, Chris Kreider is notorious for having a solid two months midway through the season of unbelievable own what is happening performance and then completely just fades away now granted it's only the beginning of the season still have an entire 60 something game schedule to get through but at the same point in time you say to yourself wow can you imagine this team is is firing on all cylinders what they'd be doing and again it gets a very competitive florida team who i believe going into this game they only had what one overtime loss i think this Mm -hmm. was their first regulation loss of the season to the rangers and on the edge of your seat, understatement, letting up two goals within the final minute and a half of the game, pretty scary stuff. But they closed out. They got the win. They got the job done. Um, but, yeah, this Rangers team, as I talked about last week, they are. this is their capabilities. They, they got the coach they wanted. They added the toughness that they wanted. Everybody's healthy, knock on wood. There's really no falter in their, in their game plan. And, and let me say this again. Uh, not again, but let me make this said if it's if it's not already known, Adam Fox is is just incredible. He's just he's just incredible what he's able to do as a defenseman. I, I mean, the Rangers have had some solid players in the past defense. I mean, obviously the notorious Brian Leach, but this the, Adam Fox is only twenty three years old, already has a Norris under his belt, and just looks like nobody's going to be able to take that trophy away from him this year as well. The way he's performing so far this season. You might be right. Um, as much as it, I mean, look, I mean, I, I am a Rangers fan, but I was impressed with him. Zabinajad, 
the two assists last night, he was good. They called that one goal back. They called interference on the Panarin snapshot. Um, I, I thought that was somewhat questionable, but I see why they called it. Bredman has been coming out to play. Um, I love the addition of Ryan Reeves uh, coming over from, you know, he's a former player of Gerard Gallant. So there's going to be chemistry there. And he brings over a veteran pre- uh, pr- presence. Because obviously, I don't know what, what this is going to happen with Truba. But, uh, yeah, there's there's still some question marks around this hockey team right now. But it's still fairly young in the season. So I can't really say I'm concerned with the Rangers at all. They're second in the Metro, just one point behind the Hurricanes. And, you know, when Igor makes 40-plus saves despite giving up three goals, it, it, it gives you promise. It gives you a lot of promise. Um, I'm very happy. But uh, Saturday, you know, they have four days rest now, and then they're at Columbus on Saturday at 7, the 7-3 seven and three Columbus Blue Jackets. It's not going to be an easy game. Hostile environment on the road got to find a way to keep winning. And this is where this young Rangers team really gets battle tested because the schedule's getting tougher. Uh, James, any, any thoughts on um, the uh, big brother, New York hockey team? Oh, you big brother. That one, you slid that yeah. one in there. Yeah. I like how you slid that one in there. Okay. All right. Um, no, they look good. Um, I'll say it again this week. Like I said, last week, they, uh, it's nice to have a competitive team again in New York, two good competitive teams. Um, it's nice to see the Rangers coming back to their form. Um, coming from an Islander fan because of how long it's been for you Ranger fans. Um, I'm sure you guys would feel the same way for us Islanders, maybe. Um, but at the same time, um, your Rangers have made the correct improvements that they needed to. And to withstand the comeback from last night's game to hold them off to get the W um, is only something bright for you guys to look into. I mean, I think we've rebuilt the correct way. And I'm starting to realize now that firing Quinn was probably the right move. Even at the time, mm-hmm. I didn't want it to happen because I thought he was a good coach. But he was their temporary. He was their temporary guy. He was their transition guy. And while he did yeah. a, a pr- relatively good job. He wasn't your answer. Yeah. Nope. It's a shame, but it's true. Um, and we were the little brother for the past five years, you could argue three to four, actually not, not five, but, um, you know, it, it was a rough couple of years for this hockey team. And, um, now the Rangers and Islanders, uh, you know, you guys were here, we were there. Now we're here yep. and this is where we want to be, mm-hmm. you know, but, um, anyway, let's transition to your Islanders. Cause you know what? I see a lot of promise in this team this year. I'm really excited um, about the Islanders and, and, and what has in store for this team. I mean, I could potentially see um, a, a huge winning streak coming up because the the Islanders, regardless of what happened, right, I, I get it. You lost Everly to the Kraken, so what? Anders Lee is back. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, that guy can play. And Sorokin continues to be your saving grace. Uh, you started off the season a little slow, and now you're 5-3-2. and two, And this hockey team, regardless of what people say, I mean, there's still a good chance this team makes the playoffs again this season. And I don't want to play the Islanders. 
in the playoffs. I, I really don't be, because this team has the potential to do some real great things this season. James, he's throwing shade at the Islanders. He only talked about Anders Lee because he played for Notre Dame. That was it. Yeah, that yeah was I it. know. That, that was, was it. it. That's it. The verbal uh, psychological slander <laughs> that, that Tom just impeded upon this island team. Well, it was a great performance against the Minnesota Wild on Sunday. Again, oh, the, please. the dig. The dig. Yep. Please. I, I, the, the amount of times I was walking through the building on Sunday, I'm like, oh, Islanders are out. Cool. They just scored. Two seconds later, they just – I'm like, are you kidding me right now? Hey, but you got Zidane Chara now. He's fixed all your problems defensively. Just, you want me to, you know, make him disappear, Russo? Uh, if we had more time you know remaining left, there'd you be should. enough time to bring him back. You should, That's you true. should, you, you should for a minute because I want to see how I look on the bottom part of the screen. Okay. Welcome back to the Kyle and James show, everybody. My name is yeah, we got No, welcome back. back. I just want to see how I look at the bottom. <laughs> How the roles are reversed. How do you look at the bottom? I'm not not used to being down here. All right, I'll get you in last next week. (laughs) (laughs) But in all all seriousness about this Islanders team, last time we met uh, on Tuesday and we talked about this team, they had Montreal coming up, uh, Mm -hmm. a game in which they had to win. They did that successfully, uh, winning 6-2. They had a big game against Winnipeg over the weekend, shutting out them. Uh, Ilya Sorokin's third shutout. Yes. In the short season so far, incredible to see only a second-year player, what he's been able to do so far. And then a, a bad first start for Semyon Varlamov uh, against the Minnesota Wild. They had the lead leading 2-1 going to the third period, mm-hmm. but a four goals in that period, not a way in which you want to take uh, – in, in which you want to play a hockey game, especially against a beat, uh, beatable Minnesota Wild team. And especially with the schedule, like Tom, you alluded to with your Rangers, the Islanders – they play the New Jersey Devils on Thursday who have looked competitive, but then that's yeah. when it really – after that starts to get very, very tough. You're on the road against Tampa. Mm-hmm. You're on the road against Florida. Then your first game home is against the Calgary Flames who have, no pun intended, been on fire. Yes. Then you play the Maple Leafs, mm-hmm. and then you play the Rangers. Yeah. That's, that's a very, 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 very tough, tough, schedule. tough next couple weeks of hockey. Yeah. Yeah. Look, in all seriousness, I, I know I, I joke around with you guys about this team, but I, I am a little concerned um, long term. I, I think Barry Trotz is the glue that kind of keeps these guys together because he is a good coach. And the Islanders, you could admit, probably don't go as far as the Eastern Conference final two years in a row without him. Right. I mean, you look, you lost your captain mm-hmm. last year and you still made it there. I'm concerned about this team. Um, I don't know what what the future is. Because right now, uh, the Metro is getting better, guys. And, you know, the Islanders really don't have as much firepower this year right now as they did last year. And hopefully it, it, it changes. But James and Kyle, I mean, you guys mentioned that the schedule coming up is tough. And mm-hmm. they, they got to turn this around fast because good teams will be left out of the playoffs in the Metro. And you definitely don't want it to be the Islanders. And, you know... It's crazy. We're talking about this just 10 games in, but hockey's a, sh- a short season, guys. It goes by quick. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it, it does. And it's, and it's concerning because, again, for the longest period of time, the Metro was not this competitive. I, I can't even remember a time when it was this competitive where you look at 
what, how many, eight solid teams in the Metro. And and you're looking at Pittsburgh at the bottom of the division, and you say to yourself, well, why is that the case? Well, that's because their star in Sidney Crosby has only played one game this season. Mm -hmm. He's been in and out on the injury list and and COVID list as well now. So once he comes back, what is that Pittsburgh team going to be? Only one point behind this Islander team. So it does remain a lot of concerns. I will say this again, and I think James – uh, you'll agree with me when I say this is that again, you got to see this team at home. They've played a yeah. month on the road. Let's see what they're do. Let's see what they do at home. As James and I both know, this team has been one of the most, if not the most successful home teams the last couple of years in a row, uh, the New York Islanders. So let's see what they do when they're back on their home ice. Uh, and I'll leave it at that. Really not much more to say. They only played three games like I reviewed the last uh, week. So, We'll see what happens. But again, let's see what they are when they play at home. They've been really good, and I'm sure everyone's looking forward to their debut in their new home stadium at UBS. But uh, there's one more brief statement I want to make. Michael Conforto has declined the Mets' $18.5 million qualifying offer. So mm-hmm. interesting. it'll be interesting to see where he ends up. Uh, I think – this will work out for the Mets because he's not worth that money anyway with the way he swung the bat last season. So agreed. It's been a, it's been a rough week. You know, the, the passing of Feliciano, that was mm-hmm. not good news at all. Um, you hate to see that. Um, and then Conforto declining this, probably the beginning of the end for him as a Met. So the future is very uncertain. The team doesn't have a GM right now. There's a couple candidates they're talking about, but Man, who knows what's going to happen? Um, the NL East, I feel like every team is going to win a World Series again before the Mets do. It's just the way things go. Yeah. Um, you, you know, you might as well just start talking about 2023 at this point because I, I, I don't see anything good happening for the Mets in 2022. I'm just being honest, guys. Um, I was. I'll, I'll say this, and you know, in the beginning of the season, we made, when we made our predictions. And, and I think I said word for word, there is no reason why this team should not have been, should not have been a 95-win team. Uh, they had every reason to do so. I get it that they were missing the Grom, but even without the Grom, the way that they were losing baseball games was just mind-boggling. They, they literally added players to eliminate this factor of not being able to score runs when their pitcher holds a close lead, and they still could not do so. You know, you bring in what should have been the guaranteed in Francisco Lindor, and now that's a huge question mark. You know, question marks around Javi Baez. Question marks around this entire pitching staff now, because now everybody's a free agent on your pitching staff too, right? Except Pretty much everyone. Yeah. So this is going to be probably an entirely different Mets roster come the beginning of 2022. Lovely. The struggles continue. Folks, remember to check us out on all our social media platforms. Appreciate everybody who commented tonight, liked the video, shared the video. Make sure to subscribe to us everywhere. Um, you know, great segment tonight with Vinny. That segment will be up on our YouTube channel. Um, talk about that Jaguars-Bills game if you want to relive those moments, funny moments from our show tonight. Um, but James and Kyle, thank you so much for joining me. And next week, Kyle, you'll be back under the reins. I will be at the Rangers game with Hank attending my first ever NHL game. So I'm really excited for that. But uh, until then, I'll see you guys in two weeks. And, folks, hope you all have a good night. You've been watching Review and Preview here on Facebook Live.